323, this is Radio Free Mormon, on the air, broadcasting behind enemy lines. Tonight's episode, Breaking Silence, examining five women's claims against Tim Ballard. Now, there's been a somewhat winding road to coming to this particular series of podcasts on my part. First off, we're all familiar with Tim Ballard and the lawsuits, now plural, that have been filed against him. The first was filed on behalf of five women. I reviewed the lawsuit in that case some weeks ago, but I did not go into the actual statements of the five women which were attached to the lawsuit. Then a second lawsuit was filed against Tim Ballard by a couple, a non-Mormon couple. And because that lawsuit pretty much mirrored the allegations in the lawsuit in the first case, I went to the statements that were made by the wife and by the husband. And I devoted an entire episode to each of those statements. It was in doing that that I realized that I had missed something important in the first lawsuit, and that was actually going to the statements of the women themselves. In other words, there's the lawsuit, then there's the five statements that are attached. I went through the lawsuit, but I didn't go through the statements. That is an error on my part that I want to correct tonight and in the ensuing podcast on this subject. I was so struck by the power of the detail of the statements in the husband and wife suit, the second lawsuit against Tim Ballard, that I knew that I had to go back and go through the statements of the women in the first lawsuit, and through that, to give them a voice, in a sense, through my voice, reading and reviewing their lawsuits. Now, the title of this has been made somewhat more difficult. Another problem, by the fact that when the attorneys for the five women in the first lawsuit attached their statements to the lawsuit, they ended up attaching only four statements of the women. They attached the first statement twice. In other words, there's two copies of the first statement and then the other three statements by three women. So there end up only being four statements in total. Two of them are copied. They do exhibit A twice, and that is the statement of the person who is identified only by the false initials of WW. So they have exhibit A, WW, that's a 16-page statement. Then again, exhibit A, WW, a 16-page copy of the same statement. Then they go to exhibit C, which is DM, exhibit D, which is MK, and exhibit A, which is HDT. So what they end up doing is there's one of these five women who end up not having their statement attached. I don't know if that's been rectified. When and if that is, I'll be happy to review that statement. But the problem that raised was, what do I title this podcast? Because I ended up deciding to call it Breaking Silence, Examining Five Women's Claims Against Tim Ballard, when the first thing I have to explain to you is that I will only be going over four of the women's claims through no fault of my own. But on the other hand, I didn't want to just put examining four women's claims against Tim Ballard and sound like I was leaving the fifth one out in the cold for some unspecified reason. That is how we decided to go forward. And I had a long discussion with Bill Reel about it. We tossed a coin. No, actually, this seemed to be the more appropriate way to move forward. So now I'm going to bring up Exhibit A. I'll only read through it the once, even though it is supplied twice in the first lawsuit. And let me get it up here on the screen. Here we go. You see that 16 at the bottom of that page? That is the end of the first iteration of Exhibit A. And it's a 16-page statement. It ends on page 16. And now we're going to go to that statement again 
when it's attached for the second time as Exhibit A at the end of the lawsuit. This is a statement of WW. Once again, not the correct initials of this individual. On April 19th, 2021, WW reached out to Ballard via Instagram because she was dating a man that she thought might be involved in trafficking. WW didn't know who else to turn to about her suspicions, but she trusted that Ballard and OUR were the right resources to report it to since they work with law enforcement to fight trafficking. It's an interesting way of making a, the acquaintance of Tim Ballard, but apparently it worked. On April 20th, 2021, Ballard responded via Instagram and invited her to his office in Lehigh to discuss her concerns. As she came into Ballard's office, I'm going to say she and her because they don't like saying WW over and over again. As she came into Ballard's office, she perceived that OUR employees were suspicious and leery of her. I will also note that this is the first statement that I have read which is written in third person as opposed to first person. Not sure why that is. Is someone other than WW writing this for her or is she writing it in third person? I don't know the answer to those questions. But as she came into Ballard's office, she perceived that OUR employees were suspicious and leery of her. She gave Ballard information about the man she had been dating with whom she had growing suspicions. Ballard told her to give him the man's phone number and he would give it to his guys to check him out. Ballard then noticed, Ballard then said he noticed from this woman's Instagram profile that she was an actor. Ballard asked her if she had ever considered going undercover. She answered no, but that she would definitely consider it. Ballard had her sign an NDA. Wow, right off the bat, that's the first thing that happens. Has her sign an NDA, that's a non-disclosure agreement if you don't know and told her how important it was that she never speak a word to anyone, not even friends or boyfriends, because people's lives were on the line. He explained further the gravity and severity of what was at stake in order to protect women and children and the ops. She was not given a copy of this NDA. Ballard then proceeded to tell her that female operators are crucial to OUR's work. Ballard told her about a tactic they used called the couple's ruse. Well, we knew it wasn't going to be long before Tim brings up the couple's ruse, allegedly, by the way. All of these are allegations at this point. Let me stop for a moment and emphasize that point. These are allegations at this point. We have a lot of women who are coming up with strange, bizarre allegations against Tim Ballard. And as I look at them and compare them, I'm starting to get the feeling that somebody is crazy because these are crazy allegations. Either these women are crazy in making these allegations, which they would have had to have come up with out of whole cloth and out of their imagination, if it's not true, or Tim Ballard's crazy for coming up with them out of his imagination, out of whole cloth, and actually perpetrating them upon these women, plural. This is extremely unusual, these allegations, as I'm sure you'll agree, and we'll probably see some more of here. Ballard explained that they were running into problems on operations, ops, when male operators did not engage in sex acts. He said that if male operators don't touch the women or children, the traffickers would figure out that it was a sting and would create danger for all. Ballard told WW how the couple's ruse came to him by revelation from God. Oh my gosh, not sure we've heard this before. 
The source for the couple's ruse. It's such a good idea. Only God could come up with this idea. <laughs> it's not going to fool any bad guys. There's no chance of it fooling any bad guys. But it came from God, so it must be a good idea. As there was no way he could have thought up such a brilliant ruse. Oh, my gosh. A little humility on the part of Tim Ballard. Ballard then told her that if she would act like the jealous girlfriend, then she could block for Ballard and Ballard would block for her. Ballard explained that WW was like the cock blocker. I haven't heard that phrase before. The cock blocker. Ballard expounded by saying that he would take women into couples massage parlors or strip clubs and act as a kinky couple ready to do sexual and deviant things, but that there would be no kissing and no touching genitals except for his arms around the woman's waist, maybe on your back pocket, etc. And that it would be super safe because there would be a team around the corner watching everybody's safety. Ballard explained to her that if she agreed to go on an op, she would be part of the communications by watching and reporting on activities surrounding the sting. Okay, that sounds a little bit more removed, somewhat safer, perhaps. Ballard told her that he preferred to hire actors because cops could not act very well, resulting in the traffickers not being fooled. Ballard explained that traffickers can smell cops miles away. I'm sorry. That reminded me of something. Uh, let me read it again. Ballard explained that traffickers can smell cops miles away. And if you've been following these, you know what it reminded me of. It reminded me of his similar statement that says that the traffickers can smell pheromones. And that's why the chemistry has to be real between Ballard and his pretended wives. Apparently, they can not only smell pheromones, they can smell cops too. <clears throat> Ballard asked her what she thought, and she responded that she was on board because she was a rape survivor herself. Oh, my gosh. And felt strongly that she should help women and children. Ballard responded by asking, you are a survivor yourself? Wow, maybe I shouldn't do this then because you've been through a lot already. No, that's not what he said. Ballard responded by asking, you are a survivor yourself? Wow, that would be a powerful story. Ballard then instructed her to get training, and he would go over more details later. Ballard then told her that there was a fast-approaching operation and that he really needed someone quickly. I'll bet he did. On April 21st, 2023, so this is just this past April. By the way, I'm recording this October 23rd of 2023, six months later, after this is alleged to have happened. On April 21st, 2023, Ballard put her in a text thread with Matt Cooper. Ballard texted her from a phone number. Ballard instructed her to label as Brian for safety purposes. Yeah, his undercover name, remember? Brian Black. That phone number was 520-406-1139. We've got the phone number. I wonder what happens if you call the number. If I had my phone here right now, I'd give it a call. Well, I wonder, I've got a phone here. Let's see. 520-406-1139. Hmm. The wireless customer you are calling is not available. Please try again later. El cliente de servicio móvil al que llama no se encuentra disponible. Spanish too. Vamos a intentar más tarde. Message one. US01LV. Okay. Well, apparently, Brian's not available right now. <laughs> <clears throat> Good. 
going on, Ballard then introduced her to Matt Cooper and informed her that she was being considered for an ops position and that she should get a background check in order to attend a survivor's graduation. Ballard further stated that the ops team would meet the Friday, that Friday around noon, where Ballard would run her through tactics, tacticals, it says here, tacticals, and finish conversations. On April 23rd, 2023, WW attended a survivor's graduation. So that was two days later after this conversation. Matt Cooper, Coop, was there with Ballard and WW. Ballard had told WW prior to her op name, prior, that her op name would be Kelly. But then Coop had introduced WW as WW. Okay, I think that's confusing. I think I understand what is going on here. Ballard had told this woman prior to this April 23rd, survivor's graduation, whatever that exactly means, that her op name is going to be Kelly, but then Matt Cooper introduces her under her real name instead of her op name. She was confused as she was afraid Matt Cooper had compromised the op, as Ballard had earlier stressed how serious everything was. She asked Matt Cooper if she was compromised because he had said her real name. Matt Cooper responded, no, and reassured her that she was safe. <clears throat> I think you're taking this way too seriously. WW is what Matt Cooper is saying. Ballard had told her to keep track of all her hours while preparing and working on the op. Ballard understood that she was a single mom at the time. He asked her if she could go on an upcoming op because the original girl could not go. She was moving by herself, so she explained that she could not go on an op on such short notice. Ballard responded by offering to pay for a moving van and movers to help so she could go. She felt honored by the generosity of OUR. Yeah, I'm sure she did. Ballard told her that they would be talking a lot because they had to create a relationship to convince the traffickers that they were a couple. So they needed to get to know one another. In some of their training, Ballard brought up the name of Hugh V, a person WW actually knew prior to meeting Ballard and who was a huge part of her healing from her own abuse. Ballard told her that Hugh was not to be trusted along with many other people in his organization. So Ballard's telling this woman that who's just joining up, that there's people by name that are not to be trusted, along with many other people in his organization. Why are they in your organization? If they're not to be trusted, one might wonder. <clears throat> Can I just say, adding in here, that I've received, I have received information from people who at least represent themselves as having been involved in OUR, even from its inception and other points along the way. Uh, one individual called me and talked to me for about an hour on the phone last week. Now, he is not ready or willing to come forward with his name or his information. And, of course, I'm going to respect that. I'm not going to mention his name or his information. But I am going to say that getting this information from different sources does start to paint a strange but consistent portrait of Tim Ballard along these lines as being highly paranoid, even of people who are in his own organization thinking they're going behind his back, thinking they are not to be trusted. I'll leave it at that for now. It seems that this may be a similar instance of the same thing. WW was sad to hear that about Hugh, but she trusted Ballard. Ballard told her that the other operators would fall in love with him. So he had to change operators often. Oh my gosh, there's that whole thing. 
all these female operators always falling in love with poor Tim Ballard. So he has to change them so frequently. He also asked her to never betray him. Ballard mentioned a journalist who wrote a negative article about him, who he said was just out to get him and the cause, but no one believed her and he buried her. Yeah, I bet that was that lady who went on that, um, that journalist who went on that operation with him and wrote a piece about it that was published in Vice News. Ballard then told her that text messages needed to be sent via signal and everything, including messages via signal or their regular phone messaging, was to be deleted every night because it was imperative to the safety of the case. It was imperative to somebody's safety, I think. And that may have been cause, safety of the cause, I'm guessing. Ballard warned that if anything got leaked, it could put people's lives at risk. One in particular, perhaps. On April 28, 2021, she, WW, received an email from Hugh V asking her about Ballard's relationship with her. Remember, this is a couple of months after there has been the complaint of sexual harassment made to the board of OUR by the individual in Mexico. And we talked about that when we, re re when we reviewed the statement from the wife in the couple's case that was filed subsequent to this case. So information is getting out to OUR about Tim Ballard. And that may be why Hugh V, who's with OUR, is asking her about Ballard's relationship with her. He's concerned. She immediately told Ballard about the email. You see, Ballard has already set this thing up for her to not trust him, and that's probably why he did it, allegedly. Ballard said his team was just looking out for Ballard and testing her loyalty to Ballard and that she passed. Wow. All these passing of tests sounds very reminiscent of Joseph Smith, doesn't it? At one of the training sessions, Ballard was briefing her for the upcoming op. Ballard dismissed the others from his office, telling them he needed to prepare her for the mission. As she sat on a couch in Ballard's office, Ballard told her that he needed to get to know more about her so that they were comfortable with each other. Ballard asked questions about WW's current relationship, her children, and the trauma abuse as a child. Oh, so she suffered abuse as a child. Ballard again, well, once again, no wonder she wants to help children, maybe even above and beyond what a normal person would want to do. Ballard again said that it would make an amazing story. Ballard came, I think he's thinking always in terms of films and everything's being filmed when they're on these ops. He's thinking of episodes for TV. He's thinking of movies. He's always thinking of stories. And I think that may be what's reflected here when he says it would make an amazing story. Ballard came over to sit by her and kept getting closer to her until at one point Ballard put his hand on her legs, her leg and caressed her inner thigh. WW immediately tensed up but thought that Ballard was testing her and that she should just keep talking as if nothing were happening. WW kept talking as Ballard stroked her neck. Ballard finally got frustrated that she wasn't responding to his advances and asked, why are you not responding? She responded, because I know you are testing me. Ballard said he needed to know she was attracted to him. Ballard asked her if she was attracted to him, to which she said, not in that way. Ballard asked how 
WW could convince traffickers of chemistry then. This is also odd and bizarre, isn't it? That Ballard, Tim Ballard tells her initially that he goes through these female operators or operatives so quickly because they keep falling in love with him. And now this happens where he's encouraging, apparently, and allegedly, WW to have feelings for him. Ballard asked how WW could convince traffickers of chemistry then. Chemistry, once again, coming up, that word. WW told him she did not need to practice because that was what she was trained to do as an actor. Get into character, win in role, but only on action and out on cut. She explained she never practiced chemistry or romance scenes privately or outside of being on set in front of the camera and crew either. See, this is what happens now. Tim's running into an actual actor. <laughs> who doesn't necessarily need all this practice to pretend to be his girlfriend or his wife. Ballard then stated that this was the practice he mentioned and that she needed to be attracted to him in order to convince traffickers that they were a kinky couple. Ballard told her that he must know she could pull this off as a prior, she could pull this off as a prior female op went out on a mission once and couldn't perform so all those donor dollars were wasted and the mission to save kids failed. You get the feeling that Tim has just this extraordinary imagination and can come up with excuses and stories at the drop of a hat. It's a sense I'm getting. At that point, WW felt sheepish for thinking she knew better than Ballard. So she told him she would turn it on for just a moment for him to see that as an actor, she could turn it on and then turn it right back off. Ballard agreed. She approached Ballard in the hallway outside of his office and put her hand on his chest and spoke to him seductively, saying she could turn it on if she needed to, and then pulled back immediately. But at that point, Ballard got excited and said, oh, good, okay, you can do this. She asked Ballard if there were cameras in the building. He panicked. <laughs> he panicked and looked around and said, no, no, we are good. Ballard, I... I'm thinking she, maybe she meant something different by the question than Ballard thought she meant by the question. Ballard continued in his couple's ruse training, instructing her that from the moment they got inside a plane, heading to the location, inside cars, walking on the streets, anywhere except for the safe house, they were supposed to be in character as a kinky couple because the traffickers have people watching them at every move. On May 3rd, 2021, she met at OUR's offices with a hair and makeup artist to teach her how to apply fake tattoos on Tim and herself for the upcoming Puerto Vallarta, Mexico op. And I do that because there's a picture of Tim with the fake tattoos, which we've seen before and don't need to see again. On May 5th, 2021, wait a second here. Oh my gosh. I'm so embarrassed. I apologize. I'm not going to start this over because I'm already pretty deep into it. But I was talking about April 2021 as being just six months ago. It's 2023 now. This is two and a half years ago. My apologies. I'm sure several of you were screaming at the screen and saying, hey, it's not this year. It's three years ago or two years ago in 2021. Okay. So having corrected that, let's go on. On May 3rd, 2021, WW met at OUR's offices. Okay, that's the hair and makeup. Learning how to put on the fake, ta fake tattoos. On May 5th of 2021, OUR employee Mike Parenta made all the arrangements for her to fly out to Dallas, Texas. 
She and Ballard stayed in a house in Irving, Texas, so that they could meet with Glenn Beck before flying out from DFW to Puerto Vallarta the next day. OUR employee David Jacobs met Ballard and WW at the Irving house and wrote a note to them that read in part, Go get them. XOXOXO. At Glenn Beck's home, Ballard spoke about how he had to remove the cancer from OUR and that many were out to get him. Beck sympathized with Ballard. Wow, we've got an eyewitness to Glenn Beck's interactions with Tim Ballard, allegedly. This is interesting. Beck sympathized with Ballard, sharing his own experiences about how people would try to get him and that he had to hit rock bottom with people going through his trash. He told Ballard that he may have to go through that too. Ballard said he already hit rock bottom when he realized so many were out to get him and had to make all the changes in his company. On May 6, 2021, Ballard and WW flew out to Puerto Vallarta. Ballard went into immediate character from the DFW airport to Puerto Vallarta. Yeah, into character. Ballard was all over WW with his hands on her buttocks and his hands wrapped through her legs while sitting on the airplane. Ballard and WW finally arrived at the very large safe house that overlooks the ocean and has a private chef. That's a nice safe house. The secondary team stayed in a second location, as appropriate to the secondary team. <laughs> anyway, WW had her own room and Ballard had his. That's good. The next day, while the chauffeur drove Ballard and WW around, Ballard was in the backseat groping her. The windows were dark, but Ballard insisted they had to remain in character. On at least one occasion, Ballard's hand got quite close to WW's groin area. She told him that he didn't have to be so close, so he pulled back. Ballard explained that they were going out to find massage parlors. She asked him how she could avoid having to get naked in those massage parlors. That is a good question to ask going into it. Ballard responded by telling her it would be fine if she stayed in her underwear. Ballard said she could lay she could lay face down on the shared massage table and he would lay face up so that they could still talk to one another in their ears. Okay. I would think you'd be able to do that even if you were face down, but look, I've never even had a couple's massage. So, but isn't that part of the thing? Isn't that part of the thing to cede authority and knowledge to Tim Ballard when that's exactly what he wants to have happen? So let me just go through this. If he's up and she's down so he can talk into her ear, why can't he do that if he's face down as well and talk into her ear by turning his head? I mean, that's all I'm asking. For some reason, he wants to be face up, I guess. Okay. WW expressed concerns to Ballard, telling him that she knew the massage therapist would want her to take her bra off, which she didn't want to do. So she said her story would be that she had a boob job and she could not take her bra off for support purposes. Ballard assured her that he would help express that as the escorts may be speaking in Spanish. Ballard is fluent in Spanish, but she is not. Ballard located a massage parlor and instructed the driver to drop them off. They were then taken to the back massage room where they undressed and got on the table. W.W. was in a bra and underwear. Two women came into the room and Ballard started speaking to them in Spanish. The two women took their own clothes off down to their underwear too and started massaging W.W. and Ballard. 
Ballard asked questions, which then led to talking to them about a party and him asking for frescas, younger girls. Ballard instructed WW that if the escorts got too close to touching them, the code word was, say it with me, fuck me, to which it was her job to convince the women that she needed to fuck her boyfriend and get the women out of the room. That's the same code word as we heard in a prior statement by a different woman that Ballard told her to use. One of those massa- one of the massage girls undid her bra and she responded, oh, no, no, and told Ballard, whose op name was Brian, Brian Black, remember, to tell the women in Spanish why she needed to keep her bra on. Ballard repeated what she said, but only in English, not Spanish, and the women did not care. Ballard said the code word, and WW, which is fuck me, Ballard says fuck me, and WW immediately pretended to be jealous, telling the escorts not to touch Ballard. WW next said the code word because one of the women went straight for her crotch. Ballard did not respond to protect her, so she repeated it again. Again, Ballard did not respond to protect her, at which point she understood that she needed to get the women out of their room or she may be compromised and was in extreme danger. As part of the ruse, she kissed Ballard's neck and rubbed his belly and told the women to leave as she needed to fuck her boyfriend. However, the the women just stood back to watch. She rolled over on top of Ballard so that the women could see that she was serious, as she was very scared that the women would not believe them and leave her alone. She told them again to leave, this time with enough anger that the women left. Once the women left, she realized she was topless on top of Ballard's chest. She immediately got off and got dressed. A trafficker had shown up and a conversation ensued. She and Ballard left this massage parlor and she immediately had a panic attack. Ballard told her, you are burning up, as she was burning up and was shaking. She could barely walk from shaking about what had just happened. Ballard gave her a few moments to breathe and then they were off to the next parlor. Over the next three days, Ballard and W.W. had similar experiences in massage parlors across Puerto Vallarta. After one such sting in which W.W. obtained some phone numbers of traffickers, Ballard screamed her accolades in the car after saying he couldn't believe what she was able to do as she got so many phone numbers that would allow O.U.R. to save so many children. She then told Ballard, that she was sorry about what happened at the first massage parlor, to which Ballard responded that it was okay because he and his other operatives would accidentally kiss because they were so in character. So much for that rule. Ballard also revealed that they would often sleep together in the safe house next to each other, snuggling because the ops are so traumatic. So here's a reason being given for the sleeping together, different than the traffickers can see them at every moment. This is because the ops are so traumatic. Ballard said that sometimes things would happen in his couple's ruse and he would just have to go ejaculate as things got too steamy. What every girl wants to hear. WW told Ballard, that's interesting. That won't be me. At one of the parlors, the female trafficker and Ballard were talking about something to which the female came directly to WW and grabbed her breasts and crotch. So they're at one of these massage parlors, 
the female trafficker slash escort or whoever it is, and Ballard are talking, probably in Spanish. And then after they're done talking, the woman, the female trafficker, comes directly to this woman, WW, and grabs her breasts and crotch. I wonder what they're talking about or what Tim was telling her. WW said the code word, trying to play it off and looked at Ballard for reprieve. Ballard just watched. Sorry. I know these are just allegations, but if these allegations are true, I'm developing certain antipathies toward Tim Ballard. Just saying. Ballard just watched. At one point, said female trafficker brought up a younger female to take her clothes off down to her underwear and turn around for Brian, that's Tim, to approve for an upcoming party. It doesn't say how young. This female was Tim approved and the young female was dismissed. The older female trafficker did not want to wait for any upcoming party and wanted to partake of WW now. WW immediately knew she was going to be raped if she didn't get out as the female kept grabbing her forcefully. That WW fell on the bed. So grabbing her so forcefully, she falls on the bed. WW knew she had to get herself out. So she made up a story that there was a meeting they had to get to. Ballard said, what meeting? WW left Ballard and went outside. Ballard got upset with WW saying, why'd you leave? We were so close to getting information. WW told Ballard she feared she was going to be raped and was upset he didn't help her. Ballard told her he would never had, have let it go too far to which she again felt bad for doubting Ballard and worried she stopped the opportunity for kids to be saved. When they were at the safe house, in between these massage parlor missions, Ballard would open his, would answer his door in just his towel and still have her come in to talk about the op. Okay, so she's in the safe house knocking on his door, inside the interior door apparently, opens it up just in his towel, have her come in to talk about the op. Ballard kept saying, you know I'm clean, right? I don't even get turned on by this stuff, you see. I don't even get a boner. WW asked Ballard why he still went on ops when he told everyone he was not doing them anymore. Ballard responded that Elder Ballard sanctioned the couple's ruse. Here it is. Ballard responded that Elder Ballard sanctioned the couple's ruse, and it was his calling to do ops, his calling. This lady is probably a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, to whom it would have some meaning. At one point, WW had to go shower and get ready for an op when Ballard said, you can use my shower, to which she responded, no, thank you, I've got my own. Ballard double-checked with her, saying he would leave the room, and she still said no. Later, while they were eating at the safe house, Ballard confided in her that things with Catherine weren't the best. You know, my marriage, it's just, it's in shambles and I'm having a tough time with my wife and I just really, really need someone to console me. Never heard that one before. WW asked Ballard if Catherine knew about the couple's ruse. That's a good comeback. Hey, things with me and my wife aren't the best. Well, did she know about the couple's ruse, Tim? Hmm? To which he said she did. WW asked Ballard if she knew all the details, though. 
And he responded that she is such a saint. She does not ask questions. As she was willing to do anything to save the kids. Why can't you be a saint like Catherine, WW? WW told Ballard that he should stop doing ops and be home with his family to heal as his PTSD was very apparent and he needed to rest and just be with his family. This WW sounds like a smart cookie. The last night in Puerto Vallarta was when Ballard took WW to strip clubs. It's last night. Got to celebrate somehow. Prior to this last night, WW had expressed to Matt Cooper that she was concerned about Ballard. She confided a bit to him that Ballard had been distracted, worried about her betraying him the whole time, and did not protect her. Coop listened to her and said Ballard did, some, did need some help, but that was the extent. Ballard told her that she was to block for Ballard at the strip club, and the goal was to get some girls into the back private rooms to ask questions and get phone numbers. Coop, Matt, O and Jorge were all there as secondary in another part of the club. WW was mentally, emotionally, physically compromised after what it took to get a couple of phone numbers at this club and told Ballard she had to be taken back to the safe house. As WW was leaving the sting, she observed Jorge heading to a back room alone with one of the strippers for what was going to be a pleasure trip after the op. Ballard took WW, told her she had done an incredible job this trip and had done enough. After getting back to the secondary team's safe house, Ballard explained WW was done and had a super successful trip, but that he and a couple others were going to go check out one more spot. No couples ruse needed now, apparently. They were gone for a few hours with no blocker and no comms. Matt O and a couple of other secondary team members were with WW and kept getting angry and worried, saying, this isn't right. WW warned Ballard that type of conduct that she saw with Jorge as well would take down OUR. She told Ballard, either you tell someone or I will. I like this lady. Ballard responded, you can't do that to me. To which she said, watch me. The next day, Omar and Ballard had a private chat with WW, telling her thank you for letting them know. Omar told her the rule was that no operator should operate without their blocker, and that can't happen, so he would take care of it. So I think that Jorge is becoming the scapegoat here. WW also learned that DS was one of the other operators. And I think that's going to be DS, okay, was one of the other operators. I don't know who DS is right now. Dave Santos, maybe. Um, I always get this confused. Uh, Lopez, could be, no, that's not, that's an L. Okay, I don't know who this is. WW also learned that DS was one of the operators. She knew DS from her line of work and had deep affinity for DS. When Ballard found out that she cared about DS, he told her that DS had crossed the boundaries and kissed him. So the DS is a female. Now, here's the thing, okay? I saw DS. I looked down here at the fake initials. And DS does not match any of the statements for any of the fake initials. Hang on just a second here. And I apologize. I'm going to have to go up here to the top. Because it could be the missing woman. It is. Okay. 
Here we're at the top. It's WWMKDMHDTNDS. DS is the woman plaintiff whose statement accidentally did not get included with the other five because they included WW statement twice. Okay. So what WW is saying here in her statement is talking about DS, another operative, a female operative with Kim Ballard. Okay. Let's go back here. WW also learned that DS was one of the other operators. She knew DS from her line of work and had deep affinity for her. This is a friend. When Ballard found out that she cared about DS, he told her that DS had crossed the boundaries and kissed him. Ballard told her that DS was in love with him. I think every woman in the world is in love with Tim Ballard, at least from his point of view. And that she was the one that when he met her, WW, at the very beginning in David Jacobs' office, that he, had, that he had explained was in love with him, and that's why he had to get new operators. I really, really would like to read DS's statement. Hopefully, I'll be able to get a hold of it at some point since, it's not, since it is not attached to the lawsuit. When WW got home, she immediately had nightmares, and she knew, and knew she was re-traumatized. She was also paranoid of being watched or saying anything about it, and her boyfriend at that time, her current husband now, so they've been married, was very concerned for her. Ballard continued telling her that he needed her on the next op and that he was super excited because it was this really cool place with an amazing house and boat. WW told Ballard that she was re-traumatized and it wasn't wise for her to go on another op. Ballard said he would pay for her to go to his, to his therapist in order to see if his therapist could help her be able to get back out there. Ballard told her that she made the most difference out of any other operators. I think all of his female operators are the best operator ever. WW went to see Ballard's therapist named Kelly McCaleb. Ballard was pretty persistent about her coming back out, and she told him no several times. Ballard told her she could maybe do a secondary, but then after thinking, she said no to that too. Ballard then said, well, what if you become the female face of OUR? Ballard knew her dream was to be speaking on stages, on stage. So she said, oh my gosh, yes, I could still help the cause. Ballard helped the ruse by telling her that they needed to probably have better training for operators, so was going to have future training for it and to watch for it so they could get footage. And since she had kicked ass on the undercover op and was a survivor herself, this would be a huge thing. Before the training, Ballard texted her in July to tell her that he was pulling out of ops to be with his family. She told him she was proud of him. He had asked for replacement female ops for other operators. She told him she may have someone and recommended DM. So she knows DS, whose statement is not here, but is one of the plaintiffs. And she recommends DM, whose statement is here, under exhibit C, it's actually going to be the next statement. We probably won't have time to get to it tonight, but I'll do it next time. She recommends this woman to be another operator. WW went to the OUR op training held in Salt Lake City as she believed they were turning things around. They had the cameras follow her around a lot. She gave them an interview too, and Ballard told people she would be the face, and this was for speaking. 
After this training, DM, who did not attend the official training, called WW saying she needed to talk to her, but that she couldn't talk over phone. It had to be in person. She told her she went to meet with Coop and Tim for being considered for the position, but things happened and she wanted to know if it was normal. WW and others were told to not even talk to one another because of safety. So WW knew why DM was nervous and scared to talk to her. DM told her Tim had pushed her up against the wall and licked her stomach and then went out on a fake op practice at a local club where he was taking pills while his son was there. This is an echo of the story about Tim Ballard taking his son to a strip club in Salt Lake City shortly after his son returned from his mission. DM thought it was strange and wanted to know if it was normal. No, no, DM, it is not normal. That is when WW snapped and realized this was not normal. WW then started questioning her own experience. She then called Tim and told him that she could no longer be a part of OUR even as a speaker. Good decision. Ballard was frustrated and sad and kept trying to get her to come back speak to come speak for another year. Ballard also invited her to a separate private meeting no one knew of and that he was starting to do his own ops. Ops within ops, circles within circles, just like Joseph Smith. WW didn't go and kept asking the status of the op they went on if they had rescued those kids. Oh yeah, she's not going to go to this new super secret op, but she wants to know what happened with the kids that they were getting the intel on. Remember with all the encounters at the massage parlors and the strip clubs? Ballard kept telling her, it just took time, but they're making progress. DM told WW that she had verbalized to Ballard and Coop her boundaries, that she did not want to do things and didn't need to practice, and then they dropped her. WW want, So, according to this, if a woman is being accosted by Tim Ballard as part of this couple's ruse practice, If a woman tells Tim there are certain things she does not want to do, she doesn't need to practice, she's of no use to them. They dropped her. WW wanted to tell Matt Osborne of her concerns at the training anyway prior to this, but thought she couldn't trust anyone and felt so small compared to Ballard as he had told her he would deny everything if she said anything and she would be buried. And that's the end of the statement. Exhibit A, repeated twice in this uh, lawsuit, but by WW. So let me take this off the screen at this point. Okay. So that is the finish of reading WW statement. Um, I think it is disturbing. It's certainly more powerful than the language of the lawsuit itself, which is these statements filtered through a lawyer and put into legalese. There's a lot of things that are new here. There are some things that are echoes of other things that we have already heard. So next time I am going to be reading through the statement of DM. We're already at 47 minutes. Let me just see how long this DM statement is. If you will give me a second. Okay. Statement by DM. Oh, that's single space as well. Yeah, that is going to go on and on and on. No, that's going to need its own 
its own podcast. I will do that. I'll do that next. All right. So please hit like, please hit subscribe. I think it is very important. I'm finding it very important to go through these women's statements. There's also a man's statement that I've all already been through who was the husband of one of these women, but to give them their voice so that you can hear what it is that they have to say. It can be a bit intimidating just to look at how long this lawsuit is, how long the statements are, and maybe, hopefully, my reviewing them with you and examining them will be of some help to bringing this to a wider audience. I already made one mistake when I was reading through it, and that was the year. It was 2021, and I thought it was 2023. So even as I read through it, I read things wrong. Hopefully, I correct myself by the time I get to the end. And we have a sense of what is going on here and the time frame. Thank you to all my donors who donate to this program at RadioFreeMormon.org. Your donations keep Radio Free Mormon broadcasting behind enemy lines. That is about all for tonight. This is Radio Free Mormon. The, the pregnant pause there is while I'm trying to cue up the, uh, the outro music. But this is Radio Free Mormon uh, signing off the air. Thanks for watching, everybody.